So we are in a virtual conversation that we are calling Back to the Future. And in this conversation, we are processing what it looks like for us to re-enter, to re-engage a post-pandemic world with purpose and on purpose. And today we, we want to talk about what our relationship as Christians ought to look like as we re-enter our worlds. And more specifically, we want to ask the question, how should we interact as Christians when we passionately disagree on a matter of personal conviction? How should we interact with each other as Christians when we passionately disagree on a matter of personal conviction? You read your Bible and you come to the conclusion that it is right to act a certain way. I read my Bible, the same Bible you're reading, and I come to a strong and yet very different conclusion on what is right. In fact, I read my Bible and I come to a conclusion that leads me to believe that if I did the thing you seem comfortable doing, my conscience would burn. I would feel conviction in my soul and it would not be okay for me. You read the same Bible and you come to such a passionate conclusion that if you did anything other than what you believe is right on that issue, your conscience would burn. You would feel conviction in your soul, right? If I voted the way you voted, I would throw up for days and days and days. If you watch the kinds of shows that I enjoy watching on TV, you would feel deep conviction within your soul. If I hang out at the kinds of social venues that you and your friends seem to feel comfortable hanging out with, I would feel like I was doing something wrong. If I let my kids use the kinds of apps you let your kids use, I wouldn't feel like it was okay. If you let your kids date before the age of 25, you would feel like you weren't doing something right. And if I walked into a store without a face mask, based on my personal convictions informed by scripture, I would feel like I was violating something. The question is, how do we interact with each other as Christians when we passionately disagree on matters of personal conviction? Um, and this question, by the way, it matters significantly. Because a divided and fragmented world is looking at the church to get a picture of what Jesus Christ is like in the way Christians treat each other when they passionately disagree. Because come on, anybody can get along when we agree. How do we interact with each other as Christians when we passionately disagree? about a matter of personal 
conviction. And Paul gives us some thoughts in Romans chapter 14. And if you're paying attention, you've noticed we've been in Romans 12, Romans 13. And now if you have a copy of the Bible, meet me in Romans chapter 14. We want to see some of Paul's thoughts, some of Paul's recommendations for us, because this is a script we want to rely on when it comes to re-entering this post-pandemic world of ours. Romans chapter 14, starting at verse 1. Here is what Paul says. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. The way to treat a Christian who you passionately disagree with is to accept them. Okay, we're gonna come back to that, but, but, but before we do, I, I've, I've got to say something about this phrase that Paul uses, this idea of weak faith, a person whose faith is weak. Uh, when Paul talks about weak faith in this verse of scripture, he's not using weak the way we would think of it on a strength continuum, like if my faith arm wrestled your faith, my, my faith would straight pin your faith, Sylvester Stallone over the top, 80s movies reference, come on with it, somebody. He's not using it on a strength continuum as much as he is using the idea of weakness on a sensitivity continuum. It doesn't matter what building my wife and I are hanging out in. At some point, she will lean over to me and say to me, it's freezing in here. <laughs> no matter how many layers she's wearing, no matter how many favors I've called in to try and crank up the heat, there are not enough degrees to warm that woman's extremities. And you want to know the reason why that is? Because she's weak. <laughs> there, I said it. She's a weak woman. I married a weak woman. And this is information she withheld from me in our dating episodes. And it never came up in our premarital counseling. She's weak. I don't care how many babies she's had. Hey, Conda. <laughs> Woohoo. Hey, Conda, we are just curious to know how come there are no mothers? At Mission Point Community Church. Well, I popped off one May and I said some nonsense and it cost me. No, of course, it's not because she's a weak person in the strength regard. It's just because she has a greater sensitivity when it comes to air temperature. This does not make her categorically weak. It just means in this particular area, she has a greater sensitivity than I do. Come on, change the playing field for a moment and let me experience a tiny contraction. I would sneeze probably, lay on the ground, and I would go ahead and I would die. That is exactly what would happen. When Paul uses this phrase, weakness or weaker faith, another way to think about it is a greater sensitivity. It's a greater sensitivity, right? When Paul uses the word weak, he is speaking about faith 
sensitivity. There are certain people with a greater faith or a conscience sensitivity when it comes to certain things. It doesn't make them categorically weaker. It just makes them more sensitive in that particular area. So you put two Christians at a wedding reception with an open bar. One of them says, yes, <laughs> this right here. <laughs> For he doth turn water to wine and we receive and imbibe his blessings, for he is good, right? The other person at the same wedding reception says, mm-mm, not today, get behind me, Satan. This is a slippery slope, and I have no intention of going down this path. One of them has a greater sensitivity when it comes to matters of alcohol. Put those same two people in a movie theater, right? And the water to wine person sees a yellow polka dot teeny weeny bikini on the screeny, and they lose their minds. They run out of that theater praying in tongues, Lord God, would you wash my mind with the soap of heaven and make me clean again, right? Different faith sensitivities to different things. When Paul speaks about weakness of faith, he is talking about a greater sensitivity of Conscience, that's what he means, that we feel deeper convictions about certain things depending on who we are. If you are going to live all out and if you are going to go all in, in light of the mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ, Paul says we are going to have to learn to accept that different saints have different sensitivities. Different Christians have different personal convictions. And our response ought to be to accept them. Let's look at this verse again with this in mind. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. He says, accept the one whose faith is weak, whose sensitivity is stronger, whose conviction is greater. And do this without quarreling over disputable matters or matters of opinion or matters of personal conviction. How do we respond to Christians when we passionately disagree on a matter of personal conviction? Paul would say, respond with acceptance. Lead with acceptance. Accept the person. Did you see that here in this verse? He says, accept the one. Accept the person. He doesn't say agree with the person. He says accept the person. He's not saying accept their practices. He's saying accept the person. Whenever you and another Christian passionately disagree on a matter of personal conviction, he would say lead with acceptance. Accept 
the person. Now, uh, acceptance is, is a beautiful and an interesting word. Acceptance is a very relational word. Do you know what the word acceptance means? It means to give someone access to your heart. That's what the word accept means. It means to give someone access to your heart. Another way to think of it is this idea of making room for someone in your life. Acceptance. 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 Um, whenever you and another Christian passionately disagree on a matter of personal conviction, <laughs> your most appropriate response is to decide there is room for you in my life. That's acceptance. I don't agree with you. I don't understand how you could possibly vote the way you voted, but there is room for you in my life. I don't understand how you feel bad drinking a beer, but there is room for you in my life. I don't understand how you can't watch what I watch. I don't understand how you can't watch Braveheart and enjoy a Cuban cigar. But there is room for you in my life. I wonder who you might consider maybe deciding that about, possibly even communicating that to. We disagree so passionately, but there is room for you in my life. Life Acceptance is a word that prioritizes relationships. And can I just be honest? I think we as a church in so many ways have lost sight of the fact that we've been created and called to prioritize relationships with people. Here's a confession. As I relearned what this idea of acceptance means, do you know the first thought that popped into my mind? <laughs> I thought, I don't like this definition because there are too many people I passionately disagree with and I do not have enough room for all of them in my life. That's what I thought. <laughs> I don't have enough time, passion, desire, or room for as many people as I passionately disagree with in my life. That's just too many people for me. Um, it's almost as if the Lord whispered, that's the problem with my church. You've become so much more passionate about your positions than you have become about my people. You've become so much more passionate about being right than you have about being in relationships 
with each other. Right? And so I will make time to take you down on social media, but I will not take time to have you over to my house. Because it's no longer about relationships. Right? I'll read your little blurb on social media and I will immediately pin your position. I know what you believe and I couldn't care less. I don't have time to figure out who you are and what your pain is and what your story is and what could possibly have led you to the conclusions you have. Because I'm just more interested in being right than being in relationship. And that struck me. Like, no wonder I would say I don't have enough time or room in my life for the number of people that I passionately disagree with. And yet, I think Paul would say to us, that if you don't have room in your life for the number of Christians you passionately disagree with, then maybe you're passionately disagreeing with too many people. If you don't have time and space for the people that you want to correct and prove wrong, then maybe, maybe, you are passionately disagreeing with too many people. If you care enough to be mad about their position, then surely you should care enough to get to know them a little bit, to get to know their story. And I believe God wants his church to re-enter this new future with an upgraded perspective towards Christians we disagree with. An acceptance that says to each other, there is room for you in my life. And if there isn't enough room for you in my life, then maybe I shouldn't be passionately engaging in disagreements with you. But then it's like Paul knows what I'm going to say next. The Bible is so beautiful. It's like Paul knows that I might say, um, okay, okay. I'll make room for you in my life. I'll even have you over to my house so I can fix you. <laughs> so I can set you straight on the matters in which you are clearly wrong and you need me to enlighten you. Say, yes, let's have a relationship so I can fix you. Do you have those people in your life that whenever you're hanging out, there always seems to be an agenda, something that they're trying to persuade you about, something they're trying to sell you on, something they're trying to convince you to possibly see a little bit differently. Look again at verse 1. Paul says, Accept the one whose faith is weak, whose sensitivity is stronger, without quarreling, without arguing over disputable matters. Paul says, No, true acceptance surrenders the argument. 
truly accepting someone and prioritizing the relationship surrenders the argument. He says, without quarreling over disputable matters. I know we strongly disagree, but I will not argue to try and get you to see things my way. Because acceptance not only says there is room for you in my life. Acceptance says there is room for you in my life just the way you are. There is room for you in my life just the way you are. Even with this passionate disagreement that we have, there is room for you in my life just the way you are. And if that is true, I don't need to argue with you because your agreement is not a prerequisite for my acceptance, so I don't need you to change. In fact, if we never agreed, there would still be room for you in my life. And if that is true, Paul would say, you don't have to argue to try and persuade somebody to see things from your perspective. If you find yourself consistently arguing with people over the same matters of personal conviction over and over again, let that be a hint to you that you're not accepting them. At least not the way Paul is using the word here biblically. It is hard to be accepting and argumentative. Show me someone who is constantly in arguments about matters of personal philosophy or conviction, and I'll show you somebody who is struggling to be biblically accepting. No, being argumentative is usually my way of saying there is room for you in my life when we agree. And if you're trying to get people to come over to your side of the political aisle when you know they disagree, Paul would say stop quarreling over matters of personal conviction. That's not what acceptance looks like. If you're trying to get people to come over to your side of, of the pandemic aisle, the conspiracy or non-conspiracy, whatever the case is, Paul would say, stop arguing over disputable issues. That is not acceptance. If you're trying to get people to come over to your side regarding vaccines, and it's the same argument over and over and over again, Paul would say, come on. You are not accepting this person, making room for them in your life just the way they are. And I believe this world needs the church to be an example of how to treat each other when we passionately disagree. 
And then Paul gives a practical example. This is in verse 2. He says, one person's faith allows them to eat anything. But another, whose faith is weak, whose conviction is strong, whose sensitivity is great, eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them both. This is so interesting, right? Paul describes two people who passionately disagree. And um, in this case, they are having a, a passionate dietary disagreement. Uh, one person has studied the scriptures and they've come to the conclusion that the best way to live is as a vegetarian. If they eat meat, it would burn their conscience. They would feel deep conviction in their soul. And then they don't understand, like, how can you study the scriptures and see stories of the ways God used Daniel and his friends in the Old Testament when they refrain from eating meat and come to any other conclusion? I am a vegetarian. That is the right thing to do. And then on the other hand, you have somebody who is passionately a seatarian. They see it, they eat it. <laughs> and if they did anything less than that, they would feel like their freedoms are being infringed upon. It is for freedom. Christ has set us free. And you're telling me that I'm going to somehow refrain from enjoying all manner of stakeitude? Like, no, I'm not down with that. That would not be right. There's no convincing either of them. They disagree with each other on this dietary issue. And the question is, who is right? One Christian believes by studying the scriptures that they can lose their salvation. And another Christian reads the same Bible and they passionately believe once saved, you are always saved. How is this even a conversation? There is no convincing either of them. They passionately disagree. Who is right? Right? One person believes the Republican Party, that they're closer to the truths of Scripture. And you get another person saying, no, the Democratic Party, they're the ones who are closer to Scripture. And in fact, if I ever voted Republican, that would be wrong for me. If I ever voted for the Democrats, that would be wrong for me. Which one of them is right? Can you feel that? Can you feel your lack of neutrality? We'll talk more about this next week. One person says, I cannot imagine Jesus not wearing a face mask in public. 
The other person studies the same scriptures and says, you know, what's this thing we're saying now? Like, no, Jesus, J Jesus met Paul on the road to demask us. <laughs> people, people are so creative, man. It's hilarious. Who is right? And Paul says, I'll tell you who is right. <laughs> it's, it's really simple. It's the person who does not feel superior to the other person because of their position. That's who's right. That's who's right. In this section of scripture, Paul uses two similar words um, here in verse 3. The word to judge and the word to treat with contempt. And, and those words mean to treat someone like they are less in any way because of their personal conviction on an issue. To treat them like they're less spiritual, to treat them like they're less intelligent, to, to treat them like they're less politically aware, to treat them like they're less enlightened. The word to judge is a word that means to sit above and declare somebody wrong. Right? To say it's okay to eat meat after what the Bible says, that is wrong. Paul says, now you're sitting in judgment. To treat with contempt is the idea of looking down on someone with disbelief. Like, eye roll, shaking the head. I cannot, how can they honestly, I cannot believe that they could think or believe that. And Paul would say, where there is passionate disagreement on matters of personal conviction, in God's eyes, the person who is right is the person who refuses to look down on or treat the other person as less. Not to mention, I can't accept you if I think I'm better than you. Because I can't have a meaningful relationship with you if I think you're less than me. The right response, what acceptance means, is I'm not going to think I'm better than you. And I'm not going to think you're less than me because of what you believe. Here's what that means. Acceptance doesn't just say there is room for you in my life. Acceptance also says there is room for me to be wrong in my mind. I could be wrong. Oof. Those words have become so hard for the followers of Jesus Christ to say, I could be wrong. The person who's right is the person who treats the other person like you can't be less than me because I could be wrong. I believe this passionately, but I could be wrong. There are things I believe about the sovereignty of God in salvation, and I would declare those things 
But I have to be willing to say, I could be wrong. I have to leave room for me to be wrong. There are things I believe about the political parties, but I could be wrong. And God would say the person who is rightest is the person who's willing to acknowledge they could be wrong. That thing you believe passionately, matter of personal conviction, you could be wrong. It's going to be hard to embrace and accept each other until you make room for the possibility that you could be wrong. And when we refuse to leave room for that possibility, we become arrogant and we become annoying. We become non-accepting and we start to blur the picture of what Jesus is like because we just know we are right. And so we are going to sit in these superior places and judge all those people who are wrong. We are going to roll our eyes and treat with contempt people who could, how could they possibly come to that conclusion? And Paul would say, as you re-enter church and as you engage each other, be willing to make room for the possibility that you are wrong. To roll your eyes over someone's differing conviction is arrogant. I'm telling you, every time you say, oh my word, how can they possibly? There is an arrogance that is going to keep me from acceptance which is the appropriate response. To talk or treat a person like they are less because of the way their conscience led them to vote, that's arrogance. That's not acceptance. To roll your eyes or make a moral judgment because of what somebody chooses to do with a face mask is absolutely arrogant. And it is not biblical acceptance. And let me ask you, are you really that sure that you're right? Like, are you really that sure that you're right? You want to know my extreme interpretation of the Apostle Paul? I'll take that as a yes. If you are not willing to die for that matter of personal conviction, do not despise somebody else. Do not divide with somebody else over it. Are you really that sure you are right about your view on face masks? Are you really that sure you're right about your view on the pandemic? Are you really that sure you are right about your conspiracy theory? Are you really sure you are that right? There has to be this humble, Ability and willingness to say, hey, you know what? I could be wrong. If we're going to go all in and live all out in this season, we have to re-enter with an upgraded mindset towards each other. There's room for you in my life. There is room for you in my life just the way you are. And there is room in my mind that I could be wrong about this personal conviction that has become an obstacle in my relationship with people who Jesus Christ has accepted, which is what Paul says at the end of this verse. 
for God has accepted them both. <laughs> God disagrees. With, there are so many things right now that I think are right that God is laughing like you could not be more wrong. But guess what? I accept you. There were so many things I did before I knew Jesus that were completely unacceptable in his eyes. And yet he accepted me. That person you passionately disagree with and roll your eyes about and you go wrong and you stand at a distance, Paul says, that is somebody that God has accepted. Think how arrogant it is for you to get on social media and decide... But I'm going to just keep you at a distance. I'm going to roll my eyes. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to condemn you. I'm going to treat you with contempt. Paul would say, are you kidding? That is not how the followers of Jesus Christ should ever treat each other. If for no other reason, but our God in the person of Jesus Christ made room for us just the way we were. And he was never even wrong in one way. If we're going to re-engage and we're going to paint a picture to an onlooking world of what Jesus' acceptance is like, we've got to learn what it looks like to accept it and to embrace each other and to make room for each other in our world. I don't know what that means for you. For some of you, you may just need to say to your kids, you know what? I'm sorry. I could be wrong. For some of you, it may mean like I've argued with you on social media for so long. I want to make room for you in my life. Would you actually come over? Let's, let's get to know each other's stories a little bit. For some of you, it may mean like, you know what? I'm going to stop with disparaging comments and stop with my eye rolling and stop being so convinced I am right that I look down on people and don't engage in meaningful relationships. I don't know what the spirit of the living God is saying to you. But what I do believe is we have a test right now in the craziness that's happening in our world to be the kind of people who put the love of Jesus on display in the way we treat each other. And in the coming months, as the election ramps up, we are going to have an opportunity to put the love of Jesus on full display in the way we treat each other, making room for each other and making room for the possibility that I could be wrong. We're going to pick this up next week. And yes, I am going to tell you what I believe the Bible would tell you to do about face masks. But you're going to have to come back for that. Come on, church. Let's make the most of this opportunity to re-enter with an upgraded perspective in the way we treat people and accept each other, even when we passionately disagree. Our Savior accepted us in all of our Mess. Father, I praise you for Jesus and I praise you for his acceptance. And I praise you for the way you've treated us. And I thank you for the opportunities we have in these tense times to put the love of Jesus on display in our world. And they will know we are your disciples and your followers by the way we treat each other, especially when we disagree. Help us to make the most of this opportunity as we re-enter and re-engage our world. May we be light. May we be different. Because of Jesus, it's in his name 
we pray. Amen.